If you have a Bible this morning, it's probably the place to bring it is church. If you have a Bible this morning, you can find yourselves in a number of different places. You can hang out in 2 Timothy. We'll be there a little bit. You can hang out in Luke chapter 10. We'll be there for a little bit. You can even hang out in John chapter 15. Pick, take your pick. We'll kind of be all over the place. Um, my name is Nick, and I am the youth pastor here, and I am happy. I'm happy. Can I hear an amen about being happy? Despite the crazy world that we live in, despite the difficulty, despite the hardship, can we be happy? Do we have to trudge along and say, oh, woe is me, oh, woe is this, oh, woe is that, my job is hard, church is difficult, can we just be happy? Is that okay? Can I hear some happiness just to make sure I'm not crazy? Happiness is good. And you want to know why it's good? Because it's weird. It's a little weird. Happiness doesn't go with every situation that you find yourself in. A funeral is a weird place to be happy. It's awkward. It's strange to show up maybe in like a brightly colored shirt with a smile on your face, greeting people happily and saying, how you doing today? Isn't it great to be here? Isn't it great that John died so we could get together and just be happy together? That's weird. That's weird. Today I want to talk to you about being weird. I want to talk to you about being strange and about living in a way that makes almost no sense whatsoever. That's what I want to talk to you about today. And the subject is this crazy word that's kind of long and we don't use it in normal conversation, and it's evangelism. How many of you can say that on a daily basis you use the word evangelism more than twice? Anybody? Bonnie does. Bonnie wins. Bonnie, would you like to come up and preach the message? No, you're good. Evangelism is not a word that we use in normal conversation because it's kind of a weird word. It's not a word that we use a lot because, to be quite frankly, I don't think a lot of us even really know what it means. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. First of all, I'd like to, to announce to all of you that you are currently sitting in the very first, since I became the staff person in charge of the evangelism committee, I'd like to welcome you all to the first evangelism committee meeting. Hello. <laughs> Greetings. And the reason that I'm welcoming you all here is because whether you know it or not, you're a part of this committee. Deal with it. You're in the committee. When we, when we submit our list of who's in what committee to the charge conference, all of your names are probably going to need to be on it because nobody is exempt from membership in the evangelism committee. Nobody. Now, each of us have different roles, and I'm going to talk about that, but all of us are called in some way, shape, or form to be evangelists. Now, what is an evangelist? What is, the, what is evangelism? I'm going to give you a brief description, and then I'm going to talk a little bit more about what it means. To be bearers and deliverers of the gospel of Jesus. Okay, there's a church word in there called gospel. This is a word that not a lot of people use in normal conversation as well. And so let's define it just a little bit. What does it mean? What does the word gospel mean? I believe it has a number of different meanings. The gospel of Jesus Christ, first of all, is about forgiveness. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. In order to have eternal life, we have to be forgiven. Acts 3, 19, repent therefore and turn back so that your sins may be forgiven. As bearers of the gospel, we are forgiven. We are forgiven people. The gospel is about freedom. Galatians 5, 1, for freedom, Christ has set you free that you would no longer yoke yourselves to slavery. We are free people. We are not bound by any yoke of slavery. We are free for Christ For freedom, Christ has set us free. The gospel is about salvation. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is about being saved. It's about being ransomed and rescued. The gospel is about relationship. Jesus turns to his disciples in John 15 and says, you are no longer servants, but I call you friends. Guys, that's the same for us. God, we are friends. We are in a relationship with the creator of the universe. Can you even believe, can you understand how desperate the people of the Old Testament desired this? How deeply they wanted to just know this God. They had a giant, beautiful temple, and they had to go through stages. They had to kill animals to get there. And only once a year could the high priest enter into the presence of Jesus. We're in it right now. This room is very similar to the Holy of Holies in the temple of God because we are in the presence of Jesus. And not just in his presence, but he wants us to know him. He's in a relationship with us. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. The gospel is about relationship. And above all things, the gospel is about Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me, said Jesus. As evangelists, as Christians, as believers in these things, we are bearers and deliverers of the gospel. And here's the thing you need to understand. Whether you want to be or not, Whether you think that you are or not, you as a believer are a bearer and a deliverer of the gospel. And for those of us that don't know it and don't live that way, you're bringing a gospel that's not full. People are getting misled because they think, hey, that guy goes to to church, he says he's a Christian, but this this is what he does? This is how he lives? I guess that's the gospel. Whether you want to be or not, you are delivering the gospel to people on a daily basis over and over again. Evangelism cannot be stopped. The kind of gospel you deliver is what can be altered by us. You can either live out and make an obsession this truth and this belief and this lovely, wonderful thing and make that what you bear and deliver to people Or you can just do whatever you want to do. And that's what's going to get communicated. I asked some pastor friends of mine what they think the word evangelism means. And this is a couple of their definitions. It's the ongoing responsibility of every Christ follower to share the story of the gospel in all areas of their lives. The ongoing responsibility. There's another one. Evangelism is living as though what Jesus said is true. 
living as though what Jesus said is true, that we are people that need rescuing, and he is the one who rescued us. Okay, so we've talked about the gospel. The gospel's forgiveness, the gospel's freedom, salvation, relationship with Jesus. So how do we deliver this gospel well? How do we do that? In Luke chapter 10, Jesus gathers about 72 people that were following him around and just decides, all right, I'm going to send you guys out. Maybe he needed some alone time. Maybe he was just getting tired of them. But he was saying, let's go. It's time for you to go. And he gives them a list of instructions and details on how to do what he was asking them to do. And there's two verses that are pretty key that I want to hone in on because I think they sort of wrap up in a very quick little nutshell what it looks like to actually deliver and bear the gospel in our daily lives. Luke chapter 10, verses 8 and 9 says this. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. It's pretty short and pretty quick. But inside those little instructions, what Jesus is saying is this. Go and meet people. Become a part of their life. Make it, and make it known to them that you love them and actually love them. Love people. Meet people. I believe this is wrapped up when he says, whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Be in relationship with people. And then he says, heal the sick. Every time Jesus entered a town, almost every interaction he had with people was similar to this, where he would meet with them, get to know them, and start healing them, and then he would preach to them. Meet people, love people, meet some needs that they have. Meet some needs. Bring help. Bring help. This can take many forms. Maybe you're someone that has the gift of healing. Start healing people. Maybe you're someone that has the gift of listening. Listen to people. Maybe you're someone that has the gift of generosity. You just love to give of your time and your gifts. Go and give your time and gifts to people. Wherever it is that you feel gifted and called, go and do those things and meet needs for people with that. And the last thing he says in this, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Meet and love people. Meet some needs of theirs and tell them about Jesus. I think one of the main problems that many of us have in being an evangelist or evangelizing is we like to skip at least one of those. Maybe we don't feel comfortable meeting new people, so we skip that part. Maybe we don't feel comfortable helping people, so we skip that part. Maybe we don't even feel comfortable talking about Jesus, so we skip that part. Maybe we do one or two. Maybe we only do one. Being a bearer and deliverer of the gospel absolutely has to involve all of these things or you're missing it. Jesus comes into a town. He sits with people. He eats with them. He heals people. And he talks about the kingdom of God. Tells them about forgiveness. He tells them who he is. He doesn't skip the steps. We can't skip these steps. In John chapter 15... Jesus talks about meeting and loving people. 
He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. He's not necessarily talking about dying. Many of us think he's saying, greater love than no one than this, but if you die for somebody. What he's saying is lay down your life. The word that is used is tithemi. It's a Greek word, tithemi. It means to lay yourself down, to give yourself away. We look at what Jesus did for his disciples. He could have done a lot of things. But he gave himself away everywhere that he went. Literally laying down everything that he could have done, everything that he should have done maybe, and just said, I'm yours, I'm yours, I'm yours. He laid down his life. And then he literally gave away his life. This is what we have to do for people. You understand? This is what we have to do. We have to look at our lives and say, This isn't mine. This breath that I'm breathing, I didn't make this. This body that I'm I'm living in, this isn't mine. It's God's. How can I be selfish with this, but yet I have to give it away? Give it away. It's not yours anyway. Meeting needs. There are too many Literally too many scriptures to quote to you about Jesus and even his disciples, Paul, Peter, all of them going out and meeting the needs of people. You can't read the New Testament without seeing some example of people going into a town or sitting up in a town and meeting the needs of the people. Healing, releasing demons, forgiving people, just sitting and talking to people. We have to be people who go out Look for where there are needs and meet them. Sharing the gospel. Again, I can't even read to you how many times this happens. Jesus never skips it. He never misses an opportunity. Paul, Peter, none of them, they never miss an opportunity to talk about Jesus. Meeting needs, loving people, sharing the gospel. This is how we do evangelism. We make this our life mission. Become obsessed with this idea. We will gain a reputation as people who truly love everyone. We'll gain a reputation as people who put others' needs before their own. We'll gain a reputation as people who know Jesus and want to share him with others. When Jesus met Zacchaeus, he never even had to teach the gospel to him. You want to know why? Because Zacchaeus already knew it. As soon as he saw Jesus, he saw this man that he had heard about that loved people like a weird way, who just met people's needs, who healed people, who just did things for them without ever asking. He knew that this was the kind of dude that Jesus was, so he begged him to let him give things away. Jesus shows up at Zacchaeus' house, and Zacchaeus just immediately says, I'm sorry, I'll give all my money away. I don't want to be like this anymore. Jesus is like, is there any bread or are we going to eat? He didn't even have to talk because he had gained this reputation as someone who loved people in a weird way, as someone who gave things away that in a weird way attracted people to him and desperately made them want to know what he had to say. This is how we have to live. We cannot be satisfied with just one or two of these things. We cannot just be satisfied as saying, well, at least I know that I love people well, and I know that, I'm, that I'll meet people's needs, but I can't talk about Jesus. We can't do that. We can't do that. 
We have to be someone, somebody, that when the gospel is available to be talked about, we talk about it. Great deeds do not constitute the mission of God's people. We have to deliver the word. We have to talk about it. Now, let me be clear. I don't think all of you are very good preachers. I just don't. I don't think all of you would be great evangelists. I just don't. Otherwise, you probably might be. I just don't think we're all gifted in exactly that way. And I think Paul would say the same thing. Some of us are gifted as teachers and preachers. We heard Denise this morning. That was beautiful. That was wonderful. She's gifted in that way. My wife is a wonderful person. She knows she's not a teacher. She's a storyteller. She is more relational and more able to strike up a conversation with anyone on this earth that I've ever known. But if you give her a lesson plan and say, teach this lesson, she freaks out. And that's okay. That's okay. Not all of you are great exhortationists. Not all of you are great preachers. But all of you have within you the truth and the love of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the power that dwells within that. And none of you have an excuse to say, I can't talk about the gospel. None of us have anything that prohibits us from when someone says, what makes you so different? Why are you like this? The answer is not, well, you should come to church with me. That's not the answer. That right there is outsourcing evangelism to me and to Doug. (laughs) That is not evangelism. That's passing off evangelism. Let me tell you this, if you have the opportunity to work in, hey, you should come to church with me, you have the opportunity to work in, with, work in the statement, God changed my life, let me tell you how. If the opportunity is there to invite them to church, the opportunity is there to invite them into the gospel. All three of these things, loving and meeting people, meeting their needs, sharing the gospel, we have to be doing all of these But here's the truth, too. You can't just leave the room and go out and be this way. You can't just decide right now, all right, I'll start doing that. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't make this happen. This is something that you have to call out for. God, make me this way. God, make me bold so that when someone brings up Jesus, I can talk about him. God, put me in situations where I can meet and love new people who don't know you. God, put me in situations where I can meet the needs of people who are hurting. You can't do it. And you know what? What would be even worse is if you tried to do it and you were a little bit successful because in that moment, you would begin to think that it was you who did it and not Jesus. And that's the worst kind of situation to be in. When you're able to say things like, I don't know, I can figure this out on my own. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. That's a trap. None of you are capable of this. None of you. I'm not. Doug is not. You are not. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life that bring these things to be. 
so that we might not boast. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness, says Jesus. And when we are spreading the gospel in this way, let me just warn you, it will not always go easy for you. The veil of protection and peace in this country is deteriorating. No longer can we pretend like this country will forever be a country that's devoted to God, that's safe and protected. That time is ending. It's going away. No longer will it be safe to speak the name of Jesus. That time, if it's not already here, is coming. People have abandoned truth for myth. They have found teachers that tickle their ears in the way they want to be moved. And so they have distorted the gospel and made it fit into their own framework. And because of that, we see weak, weak churches serving themselves because the gospel has been distorted and being told that it's about making you happy. That the gospel is about making you comfortable and it's not. The gospel is uncomfortable. The gospel is divisive and difficult and dangerous. Paul warns Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, he says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Doesn't say might be, doesn't say it's possible. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Tell me this is not our life right now. Tell me this is not our world. For the evil have gone on from being bad to worse and that they are consistently being deceived and deceiving others. I'll tell you another pastor's definition of evangelism. is waking up every day and living as if you have been rescued. And if you really feel like that, how you can't even stop yourself from wanting to share that with someone. This is an urgent message. This gospel is urgent. It's not moderate, it's not tame, it's not cautious. It's now. It's urgent. Some of us have a problem, have a hard time understanding that because we don't live in a context where people are dying left and right. People are getting shot. We don't really, we don't really live in an incredibly dangerous time where a guy that you were talking to yesterday could get shot tomorrow. You don't live there. A pastor I know in Camden, New Jersey told this story where he was trying to go get a shirt to wear to this conference he was speaking at, and he couldn't get there because the dry cleaner got shot. So he had to wear the sweater. And he began to wonder, man, when was the last... I've known this guy for years. Did I ever tell him about Jesus? Did I ever do that? He's dead now. He tells this other story. He was taking a ride with some kid from the neighborhood... 
taking him to, to somewhere, and then later that day, kid's dead, got shot. That is not the context where we live. We don't have to desperately share the gospel and love and meet people's needs because they're about to die from bullet wounds. That's not the context where we live. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. There are people in this room. There are neighbors. There are coworkers who are going to go home and look at pornography today. They're going to distort their soul. They're going to poison their minds with it. That's going to happen. Students, there are some of you that are going to go to school and cheat on tests and brag about it. That's going to happen. Whether to you or someone you know, it's going to happen. There are people in this room, coworkers and friends of yours, that are going to go to work and they're going to participate in shady business practices and wreck the name of Jesus by doing it. There are people who are going to go cheat on their wives. There are people who are going to ignore their children. They're going to harbor anger in their hearts and express hatred for people who are different. This is an urgent gospel. It's not moderate. It's not tame. It's not cautious. It's urgent because people are out there dying in their souls, wrecking themselves and others. No one is too far gone to receive Jesus. There is no sin too great that God cannot ransom you from it. But the further you get down those roads, the harder it becomes. What if we lived as though what Jesus did and said was real? What if we lived that way? What if we lived where we thought about every single thing we did in the context of, is this going to bear the name of Jesus in a good and right way? What if we live so desperately obsessed with this idea that everything in our life was focused on this? There are people in this room and out those doors and everywhere you go who are in desperate need of rescue and we have everything that they need and want right here. We are fully stocked with life rafts, life jackets, and water in a sea of drowning, desperate people. Are you going to wait for them to come to you or are you going to go to them? Are you going to row the boat in their direction or say, hey, come over here? We are fully stocked with everything that we need to save the dying and the desperate people out there who don't even know that they're dying and desperate. Are we going to go to them or wait for them to come to us? I say we go to them. I say we don't stand around and wait for the opportunity to meet and love people and meet needs and share the gospel. Let's go and find it. Let's go and find it. Let's make every moment of our lives about this and not about ourselves. Let's stop worrying about things like our job because who cares? God has the cattle on a thousand hills. You lose your job, who cares? He'll take care of you. Stop worrying about these things. It doesn't matter. He's got you. He's got you. And he's not going to let it fall on deaf ears. You can do this because God is with you. The Holy Spirit power in you will draw you into this if you let it. But you got to surrender to it.
got to surrender to this. I long for the day when those clouds part and we hear that trumpet and it's over. How long for that day? I pray about it all the time. Where we can no longer have to live in a place so full of desperation and sadness and brokenness, but we can live in a place where there's no need for the sun because he is the light for all of us. Where we can see everything brought back into the estate that God originally intended for it to be and we can live in such a way as to always and fully experience the presence and face of God, but that time is not yet here. And when we see in 2 Timothy 4 from the verses that we read earlier, Paul is in sight of it. He's ready for it. I've already been poured out as a drink offering. I've fought the good fight. I've run the good race. He's there. He knows it's coming. And yet still he can't help but look back and say, Timothy, keep going. Because this is urgent. This is urgent. It's possible that there's people in this room that don't really know what I'm talking about. It's possible that there's people in this room who don't know Jesus. You're in the right spot. You're in the right spot. I want to read to you one more time, 2 Timothy 4. And then I want to ask you a question. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Are you doing this? Is this an accurate description of how you're living your life? If not, it can be. If not, it can be. Not by any work that you do, or by any will and determination of your own, but by the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. This can be a description of you. We're about to go into another time of singing and worship, and during that time, those of you who maybe don't know Jesus, who've heard me say the word gospel a hundred times and you just don't understand, who've heard me say things like, we have all that you need. Maybe you want to decide to enter into that relationship today. That would be a good idea. That would be a very good idea. 
I made that decision for myself, I don't even know how many years ago. The people that helped me get there are sitting right over there. You can do that right now. And I promise you, not because of anything that I've said, I promise you that the Holy Spirit will change you and your life will forever be different. You can make that decision today. Maybe there are some of you who are in this room and thinking, I've already made that decision, but I haven't been living this way. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's going wrong, but I'm just not doing it. You can make a change for that today. You can surrender all that you have over to him and say, I want to live like that. You can do that right now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to go and make a pros and cons list because there's no cons. I don't want anyone to leave this place with the idea that the gospel is not urgent. It is. People are destroying themselves. People are listening to myths, falling away from the truth, and we have the truth. We know that the myths are myths and we can go and love people and meet the needs of the dying and the hurting and then tell them Jesus is God. We can do that. During this next song, I want you guys to consider this option that you could continue to go about your daily business and continue to live as you are or you can surrender yourself and God will do weird things with you. God will make you into the kind of person that lives a questionable life. The kind of person that loves when they should hate, that laughs when they should cry, that sings when they should be depressed. And people will say, what is wrong with you? And you'll have an answer that will forever change them. During this next song, if you feel the need to make that decision to begin this, this journey, this relationship with Jesus. You can do it at your seat. All you gotta do is just say, God, surrender to you. God, make me yours. I don't wanna be mine anymore. I wanna be yours. All you gotta do is do that. You can do that in your seat. You can come down here. You can pray about it. You wanna make a change? You can do that in your seat. God, I surrender to you. I don't wanna be me anymore. I wanna be yours. I don't wanna do what I wanna do anymore. I wanna do what you have for me. Nobody has to leave this room the same. Let me pray. God, nobody knows us like you do. Nobody knows our hearts. Nobody knows why we do the things we do like you do. And so God, I'm asking you to work in the hearts and minds of every single person in this room right now that you would very deeply reach in and shape them into the people that you need us to be to bring the gospel of your love and your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness and your freedom and your salvation to all of those who are dying and desperate for all of those things. Make us bearers of your light in such a way that the world is drawn to us 
with questions that we can answer. I pray this in your name and I ask you to do something crazy and weird with us today. It's in your name I pray. Amen.